0: welcome to middle school matters podcast number 94 what conferences will come and that's why we like fago okay
1: welcome back to the show i'm troy patterson and with me as always though taking a sip of libations right now is mr sean mcgur
0: yes enjoying that fago red pop today
1: all right yeah are you gonna sing the song for us too?
0: And that's why we <laughs> like Faygo. Excellent. Faygo. I was thinking
1: the actual Red Top song with the because uh, there's a whole long song that goes with that. Oh really? Why do we always start with something that's not in the show notes whatsoever?
0: <laughs> yeah, I was say, this is, we hit our sparkly moment right off. Right, right off that. Of I think that's on YouTube. Faygo song.
1: I'm sure well, that it, okay, now we've lost Sean for the next five minutes I'll be back in a minute Did you ever take a computer class,
0: Sean? Uh, yes, I did I took one when I was in um, middle school And when I was in high school Except you had a choice well, The first computer class was with a book You didn't touch the computers at all <laughs> And then the second semester Was you got to program the computers Which had to be fired up every day From a cassette drive And then um, you had to type in the program and run the program and you know if it worked it worked if it didn't you went back and you rewrote then you came back to the computer and then you programmed and the, the best one we could do was a, was a um, the, the, our, our culminating experience was a bowling um, score keeper generator thing mm-hmm. You input the data from the bowling scores and then it calculated the, the running scores you went and, for bowling and that's the only way I remember how to Score for bowling is because I had to write that silly little program.
1: Well, well, that's great. So either you're younger than I am or you went to a more progressive school system than I did. I'm younger than you are. Because <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't do too much with computers until I was in college.
0: Oh, see, if you knew the peek and poke codes, you could take the trash 80s and just hang them. Yeah. And there and just, then they'd loop and they'd beep and they'd whistle and they'd do all these fun things when, and, and, that meant you knew more than the computer teacher did because they ran over and their only solution, you know, was well, to turn
1: it off. <laughs> turn it off,
0: and, yeah. Start over and it made for an entertaining thing. For class. Yeah,
1: I didn't even get the typing class when I was in high school, so. Because who. If you were going to college, why would you learn to need to type? <laughs> right. You know? Well, anyway, there was a computer programming class. And uh, there was somebody with a sense of humor. So there was, they were sitting where the computers were kind of back-to-back, okay? And so the person who's working the other computer gets up and walks away. <laughs> Sean is obviously listening to the FAGO song, by the way. I found it. I found it. <laughs> um, so the other person gets up and walks away. So the person who's behind takes the inputs, unplugs the one from their computer, plugs it into their computer, plugs the one from their computer into the one across. So now the keyboard that they're sitting at mm-hmm. is going to show up on the other screen, mm-hmm. and the person who's typing on this computer is going to show up on their screen. Mm-hmm. So um, the the other student comes and sits down and starts typing away and nothing's happening so she calls the teacher teacher comes over and they're looking at the keyboard they're typing everything looking at the monitor and so then the person starts typing leave me alone <laughs> so up on their screen will leave me alone and so both the teacher and the other student look shockingly at the computer and um, and so the, and finally, you know, they're, they're, they're looking again. So, so they're center the, the other person, right, types again, I said, leave me alone. <laughs> and so they, and the one student's looking at the teacher going, oh, I, 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 and, um, so they, they sit down there and, um, they start trying to touch something. They start trying to type something again. Trying to probably trying to delete. You know, hit the delete key. And um, the practical joker here starts typing. Don't touch me. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the other the other uh, student actually started talking to the computer. And said, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hit your keys that hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so they started typing things like, who do you think you are anyway? (laughs) Finally, the practical joker was laughing so hard that they then figured out that he had done something. (laughs) 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 So they went over and then he explained (laughs) what they did. They fixed it. (laughs) And... uh, (laughs) He had said, you know, the the thing is, is I, I got a C minus in the class. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. <sighs> but it is a great practical joke. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's just to switch the keyboard inputs. Because then you can see whatever they're typing, and you can start typing back to them.
0: Well, when I was in college, I had to take a, I had to take a class because I needed another class to stay in college. Otherwise, I didn't have enough credits to stay on campus that semester. And so I took word processing for the non-major computers for the non-major and the the computer science geeks on campus had to take a class and they always took that class well they're the computer science majors yeah so it was it was a blow-off class for them it was just it was so i sat there they were my buddies from night cleanup and so i sat back there with them And there was a way you could send a single bottom line message from one computer to another. And if you knew how to do it, all you had to do was find out what the number of the computer was in the class. Mm -hmm. Well, there was a young lady who was a history major like me who was a computer, computer phobe. And she sat in the front row, right by the professor, so that she could get all the knowledge, you know, soak all that stuff up. Because she could closer so that the
1: osmosis would be more efficient.
0: And, and, and yes, and, 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 and percolate faster. So um, she sat there because we had to do this major paper for our, our next semester, for our, our, our degree. And so we were... This will date me. We were learning word perfect. All right. Good old word perfect. So I even bought the little thing to throw in the F key so I could remember which F key did what. And um, so my buddy next to me hit me in the arm and says, hey, watch this. And he did. He sent one of those little one-line messages that if you know what you're doing, you realize somebody else is sending the message. But she didn't know what <laughs> that was. And, and so it popped up and said, stop hitting my key so hard. Her hands jumped off the (laughs) keyboard. She looked around. She put her hands back in the keyboard. So he did this all semester. Just kept sending her messages and playing with her head, messing with her head. And she never once went to the teacher and said, "Why is my computer?"
1: (laughs) Why? Well, and and I bring this up in part because uh, as a middle school teacher. If you're working with computers, you may have a practical joker who's smart enough to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And it is something to check for. <laughs> <laughs> so check that out. But that was kind of cute. And we now have the fago commercial <laughs> <laughs> like the, uh, in the show notes. Yeah. So if you're looking for
0: the fago commercial, it's on YouTube. <laughs> it is. And it starts out with... Um You know the guy in the Faygo suit? Everybody sing now. Comic books and rubber bands. Yeah, I that's just the first line, but you can play yes. the rest of it, and it's from the 1970s, and it's on the old Bablo boat, if you remember the Bablo boat.
1: Remember the Bablo boat?
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. it's on the, one of the old Bablo boats, and um, you know, it's it's actually, it's a very well-written commercial, it's, it's got a lot of cinematic effects in it, as far as, you mm-hmm. know, not special effects, but good use of camera work, and this would be something that I would love to show my video kids, I don't want them going out on a boat with my cameras, but <laughs> <laughs> <flies>. <laughs> this is actually pretty good, you know, you start in close and pan out, and...
1: And you know what? If I if the Bablo boat were still around, I'm sure we would be twittering from it.
0: I bet we would, you know. As a matter of fact, you can twitter from the Bablo Boat. One is on the East Coast somewhere, but there is one left down at the old Bablo docks. That's right. It. It's not sunk already. But in they're they're in pretty bad shape. Which that's what I would twitter about. Mm-hmm. I would tweet about how those places, you know, bring back memories. Um KD nine SRs. Haha <laughs> is it's actually a last week <laughs> um tweet and so that's no longer valid. Do right no, It's gone. Uh, let's try oh you got a tweet. I got let's
1: a uh, Yeah, this. you know, I, I um I had, came across one that I thought was, was cute. Um it was and I thought it was powerful as well. It is from Canyons Dave, mm-hmm. who is it's a retweet. And his response is so true. And the original quote was, if you think you don't like change, wait and see how you like irrelevance. Um, and I think that's really true in education right now. So, yeah, I thought that was a good one.
0: I about fell on my chair, though, and I saw that somebody had- and somebody tweeted. <laughs> Tweeting is not his medium. Um, <laughs>
1: 140.
0: You limit me to 140 characters and <laughs> let me tell you something. <laughs> hey, I once you get issues. me talking, you better give me 45 minute block of time. Uh, uh, web Classroom, Web 2.0 Classroom uh, retweeted uh, Joy Valenza that the Classroom 2.0 today is going to be on Deagle Features with Maggie Psy at 12 p.m. Eastern in the Illuminate session or Illuminate Room. And, of course, by the time you hear this, it will probably be archived by then, so you should go see the archive. Um, There is a Google Wave wiki for educators. If you're interested in using Google Wave and getting a... um, um, Invite, I guess is probably the best way to put it. But there's a wiki posted how educators can use uh, Google Live. Uh, have you signed up for Google, Google Live yet?
1: Yeah. Um, back in August, I had applied for an invite. Mm-hmm. I'm still waiting. But from what I hear is it's it's not very useful unless you have friends who also right. get a Google Wave invite. Which ergo means I have two issues.
0: You have no friends?
1: I have no friends. (laughs) And they have don't have Google Wave. (laughs) So
0: Yeah, I've not tried it. I'm not interested in it right now. Probably later on down the road I will. But I'm just trying to get a handle on the things that I'm doing right now.
1: Yeah, and I think largely the reason that I wanted to get it is I think Google Wave would largely replace Google. The way that we use Google Docs right now.
0: Oh, I see. Okay.
1: And so Google Docs actually works for us, so it's not that major of an issue, but it's the collaborative issue, uh, the collaborative aspect. And every once in a while we do have an issue because one of us saves when the other one's in the middle of something or, and yes, we lose something. Yes, that is an issue. And... You <laughs> <laughs> usually beat me to it. <laughs> and Google, Google Wave would... Um, would fix that issue, I think. So.
0: so if Google Docs and all that goes away, how much content will people lose? I mean, think about all the companies that are I don't think
1: Google, d- using that. But I don't think Google Docs is going to go away. I think they're different things. They they didn't really intend for Google Docs to be completely collaborative, I don't think. Um, good, exactly. I think they intended it to be a way to share certain documents, you know, in a, in a way. But... Um, I think largely the idea was that an individual working on a document, or at least at least asynchronous collaboration for Google Docs, <clears throat> because I think Google Docs works fine and dandy as long as only one person's editing it at a time. It's only when there's more than you have multiple people editing at the same time that you get issues. So I don't think it's going to go away. It still has value.
0: Okay. Yeah, I I would hope people that invested so much time and effort into it, you know, wouldn't lose there. There's a lot of people that save a lot of stuff on Google Docs, like NSA Conference Notes, for example. Ah, Yes. All right, so <laughs> speaking of NSA conferences, I just notes. let that one slide, didn't I? <laughs> uh, SchoolWise uh, posted a quote from Z. Vanderhoek Every dollar spent on a teacher equals more valuable than a dollar spent on a variety of other ed reforms. I just thought that was interesting. Uh, of course, SchoolWise is Carol Joselle, who is uh, doing a session on uh a lot of language art stuff at uh, the national middle school association she's got a really great one on editing and getting kids to edit um and so if you get a chance to go to the national middle school association go over there see her Schoolwise is her um, twitter name but you can also find her on the web School google carol giselle and she also writes for uh, local papers and then and, and, and put some interesting stuff there i've got a couple other things one more thing coming up here in the uh, in the Twitter thing. Lily Lauren's not an educator, but I just, I just thought this was fun. <clears throat> she says, so I just rolked, run, walked this. And it's got a, a pedometer map, and shows where she's walked. And I'm going to brag, because I can, uh, cause can't stab me if you don't like it. Just run, walked becomes rolked. I just thought it was a fun word to say. Uh, Garden Glen has some... Has, has, some sources, teaching resources on teaching about soil. Of course, he is a science person. He's the president of the National Science Teachers Association, I believe. Um, and then also retweeted something about um, some conference stuff. There's a twit pic that Jen Wagner posted about um, during, at conferences people connecting via their iPhones to maximize their conference experiences. Uh, school-wise, Carol Joselle has some information on school bus safety and stopping laws. And Math2Go posted some links from Robert Marzano and in interactive whiteboards, and we have kind of talked about this in the past, how Robert Marzano has done some research on mm-hmm. the use of whiteboards in classrooms and how it can ma- it can maximize instruction. It, you know, obviously, you've got teachers who are trained in using it and integrating it in their curriculum. Uh, if you just throw a whiteboard into a smart board into a classroom then, you know, and nobody uses it, well, then it's a very pretty fixture, that's all. Um, but this this has some research that backs up the, the effectiveness of using those things in the classroom and funnel brain has just announced that they've they've launched their academic decathlon online scrimmage and we have a link there in the show notes where you can sign up excellent how about some advisory stuff? How about some advisory stuff? How about some advisory <laughs> stuff? I was filling around on the uh, on the old Twitterverse the other day, and I came across this this uh, phenomenon. Somebody posted it; from, it was in my PLN, and I had never seen it before. But I thought it was a great idea. Actually, you could use this as an advisory idea. What if you take the titles of movies and you change only one letter? You can change any letter in the title. But you can only change one letter. You can either add, you can take away, you can swap. But one letter gets changed. Mm-hmm. So urban cowboy becomes the urbane cowboy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> a streetcar named Desire becomes a streetcar named Desiree. Uh, where the wild things are comes where the mild things are. You can have all kinds of fun with uh, language on this. And you just updated one too. I updated a couple of them. Oh, well, my screen hasn't updated. This is why we need Google Wave. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Hit refresh. (laughs) See if you can guess the ones that I did. Oh. Well, Sat 5 becomes Sat 6.
1: No. Saw 5 becomes Sat 5. Uh, Oh. Movie Saw.
0: I haven't seen that one. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh god that's bad
0: <laughs> and then um, five I don't get the five part you added two letters then.
1: no it's there's the whole saw series <laughs> and right now they're on saw five or saw six
0: okay I'm not up on my horror movies. Apparently, yeah, it's a but, horror movie. And
1: Saw six is it? right. It's now out, and I made it sad six, and this is becoming a whole lot longer than it
0: really needs to be. <laughs> so Can you, you guys not want to try this with your advisory? <laughs> <guys>. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> well, but th- I think what you would do is you you could put the you could put a bunch of movie titles up, and then, them and then challenge them to change one letter, and you could do it on a Promethean board. Absolutely.
0: Be a great okay. thing doing Promethean
1: Can you guess the next one?
0: Um, I'm going to guess that Boy Story is a take on Toy Story.
1: Very good. Yes, That's yes, took. Toy Story made it Boy Story.
0: Yes. Toy Story from the, the owner of the toys' perspective. <laughs> yep. yep.
1: Okay. Um, let's see. We've got. I've also added one in. And this one I thought was really interesting because middle school frequently the kids. Um, Kids have temper issues, and they have issues where it becomes, but I had to do this, or something along those lines, and we're constantly talking to kids in the office about giving up control of themselves and letting somebody else take control, manipulating them, and all those good things. And this is from um, Larry Furzano, and it's not specifically, he hasn't done it as a an advisory kind of thing, but he does it in a ninth grade English class and he has it in about four parts, I think. Let me scroll down here. It is a, it is a lengthy post. Um, and parts of this take longer than probably an advisory period, but some of it doesn't. So part one, um, he says lesson introduction and this took about 10 minutes and he begins by asking students to take a minute and write down what they thought self-control meant after a minute or so they shared definitions with a partner and um, some of them wrote shared what they wrote with the whole class and he gives some examples there and then he theatrically modeled self-control while sitting at a school desk stopping myself from throwing a pencil at a student It was obvious that I was pretending to be a particular student in class, and everybody was cracking up, including that student. Um, And gave uh, other examples from his own life. Um, Example, not eating Reese's peanut butter cups. Mm. Mmm. And then he had students think of a time when they did not have self-control, and they wrote about that, shared that with a partner, and then the entire class, and he gives some examples, and then um, students think of a time when they showed self-control, shared it with a partner, and then with a class. So you could do this over a, a few different days if you don't have a lot of time. Um, you know, you could work through that, or you could do that part through an advisory class. And then he has a reading that, and this one he says he spent about 30 minutes on, so this was a little bit longer. Um, they were divided into pairs. Um, and I like this. He says for the first time this year and perhaps the only time I decided to let them choose their partners (laughs) and that worked (laughs) out fine. (laughs) He gave them, um, a New York article titled don't the secret of self-control. Um, and that's the marshmallow experiment where they put the marshmallow down. And if you can wait until a person comes back, then you get a second marshmallow, if not well, they ate a marshmallow. Um, <clears throat> so um, they highlighted, you know, what they thought was most important, um, and they, you know, then they talked about it a little bit, um, and then they um, they got a sheet of paper and made a mini poster, writing what they thought were the three most important parts of the article. They paired up the students, and then he showed them the, uh, a six-minute video f- from Ted. We, we love Ted. Um, showing a replication of the experiment, and uh, the, the, he says the kids loved it. And then, this is the part that I like, he took a lollipop and put it in, on the desk of each student in front of them. And, um, and told them if it was there 30 minutes later, I'd give them a second one. <laughs> so, um, and um, then gave out copies of a later excerpt from the New York article that talked about how young people can develop self-control, read it out loud as the students read along. Read along. Um, this is one that talks about metacognition, and it's a word that they'd been discussing. Um, and there's some excerpts from there. Um, and then he did some theatrical role modeling again, holding himself back from throwing a pencil and saying to myself, to himself, I need to focus on reading so I can make my brain grow. I don't want to throw the pencil because I want to do well in this class. Um, talked about other things he could say. And then they did a poster and a final reflection cool. so um just something that I think is there and there is a link in the show notes to the the article, but it's something that helps build some of that some of that patience and some of that self control that middle school kids frequently need
0: cool way to incorporate that into a lesson
1: too, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so what else is on your mind tonight?
1: <laughs> um, uh, what else is on my mind is um, we have a, apparently we have a shout out to Oscar, the three-legged wonder dog, who right. made his um, debut on the last podcast. <laughs> Woo! We love Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Oscar is a trip, <laughs> so if you were wondering what the dog in the background was last time, that was my dog. It's Oscar, the three-legged wonder dog. Um, we also have a shout out to um, to March, yep. who um, has come over to the to the good side. <laughs> A new family member in his house. That's right. Um, but March is still on dial-up, and apparently it took two hours to download the podcast. <laughs> that is commitment. So he gets the dedicated listener award
0: for this week. <laughs> That's right. That is right. Go, March. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we got we did get an email this week. Mm-hmm. We got one from Elsie. We're not going to say her name because she didn't want to post it on the blog, on the on the block. But we'll just say. Help that, you know, that person knows who they are. And I uh, had a great idea, so I'll, I'll pass it along as if it's mine, um, and so, but I'll thank her for the idea. Uh, she said, snag some jokes from Re- Reader's Digest, and I wasn't sure how she meant this next part so that you know that they're funny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that could be a backhanded compliment to us.
0: <laughs> hey. Hey. <Okay. laughs> and then And then find some cartoons and put them in the cartoon form. Mm-hmm. And that's a good idea too. Mm-hmm. Talking about cartoons and how to use cartoons, and using men advisory and such, and, and that's a good idea too. So now the reason she didn't want it to be mentioned or didn't want us to mention her name is because she knows she got them from somewhere, but she doesn't know where. And she, you know, obviously wants to give credit where credit is due. Uh, I like um, the fellow from Project Venture out in, in Massachusetts who says a good idea doesn't care who owns it. That's right. And so, Elsie. A good idea. Doesn't care who owns it. Uh, you can, you know, say you heard it somewhere, and it's fine. You're, you're, you're you know, attributing it to someone somewhere. Um, but you know, use it. Obviously, she does. She just doesn't want to get in trouble for, or think she's getting in trouble for stealing someone else's idea. But right. Yeah. No. It's a, it, I'll see. It's a great idea. Thank you for sharing it in the uh, email. Although I don't know about that. Maybe, maybe we should, you know, sneak over to Reader's Digest and grab a. We you were in the classroom here, in the middle school classroom. We'll make our own section.
1: Okay, and um, you popped this one up, and I think it's interesting because there was a survey out, I believe it was at the end of last year's um, conference, because oh, they yeah. posted this. I think they made the big deal out of this. And it was should the National Middle School Association change, his na- change its name.
0: They formulated a committee and everything.
1: Absolutely. And then God knows if you formulate a committee, things are going to happen. <laughs> 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 but I don't understand. We had a committee. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and this was brought up. And part of the idea was that they're no longer... Just centered in the United States, but that it's an international kind of deal.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I guess the uh, the European one met in uh, Hungary this year, I think it was, um, and they've got their European. I guess you could call it a continental conference. Continental um, conference. Yes, yeah, so that sounds like. Can have fun with that one. <laughs> <laughs> they've got that, and then you know, there's the national middle school one over here, and we get a lot of folks from North America and, and Australia. Um, and, of course, you get got the European one over there. But, I mean, as it grows, I mean, how do you re- change the name to reflect to the, the, the two aspects? Or the, I don't want really to say two aspects because it's all unified under one theory. But, um, you know, how do you make that more encompassing? Maybe that's a better word for it. How do you make it more encompassing to reflect the membership from both sections?
1: And, and do you, I guess? Because I, I guess the issue would be that while... A lot of the middle school ideals are universal. The application and the implementation is specific, can be speci- more specific to the national structure and idea of education. Because there are some other, in other areas, they have fundamentally different ideas about education, especially about segmenting out different groups and different tracks and, and all that and how does that fit does that fit into a worldwide perspective or a worldwide view which then leads up into the whole Thomas Friedman the world is flat concept in is there going to be more and more consensus worldwide than there has been in the past and that's something that i honestly don't know about i haven't really been looking at the educational process in foreign area in foreign Um, areas right now to see because i know they're undergoing some changes just as we are but i don't know what kind of changes that they're undergoing and whether fundamentally these things are going to change and become much more cohesive or not
0: i was thinking from a practical
1: perspective And I went deep. (laughs) I'm I'm
0: coming up for air. (laughs) Go
1: long, go long. (laughs) Longer, longer, longer. And and I'm thinking, you know, actually partly from a practical perspective as well, because the focus of National Middle School frequently ends up being how it's been. how, How does NCLB apply to all of us? How do we meet the NCLB? Um, recommendations. The big push from the national government is, you know, everybody going to college and all of that stuff. So, um, um, you know, how does that fit in? Because that's something that would be different in Europe that, you know, they don't have no child left behind. They don't have some of the same um, I almost want to say, you know, lighthouses that y- you have to pay attention to.
0: And the structures are different over there as well. It, um, you know, it's the way they format and structure their day to meet the kids' needs. Not mm-hmm. necessarily the same as what NMSA would recommend. But, I mean, and I'm not saying that's neither good nor bad. I'm just saying that that's just that's a cultural difference. You know, right. Um, but by the same token, conventioneering is down. The uh, uh, Association memberships are not necessarily on the rise. Uh, do you change your name to revitalize your base, or do you keep the name so you, you don't lose all the effort and money you've put into creating a name mm-hmm. for yourself?
1: Yeah, because there's a there is a reputation level at this point for National Middle School. I mean, it's one of the con- it's the it's the conference that both of us go to because we get good things out of it. It's it has value. We get valuable things out of it. Um, and if they change the name of it and the focus of it, do you lose your core? Um, and I guess I would say, how do you not lose your core and expand as well? That's got to be their challenge because these are very challenging times.
0: I wonder if they'd done some research, you know, just to find out if folks haven't already already have an association with the name. You know, they associate middle school mm-hmm. with me, and obviously it's in the name, therefore, but. Is the group that you would reach and pull in larger than what you already have? If that's the case, then obviously it makes, it makes really good sense to change the name. And what would you change it to? If you could change it, if you could change the name to better reflect the new or the, the, the current NMSA, National Middle School Association, what would you name it?
1: And that'd be the, that's the challenge.
0: So let's throw that challenge out to our listeners. You get to change the name the troy patterson middle school association has already been taken by the way that'll be the challenge for, uh, send us uh, send us an email at middle school educators at gmail.com post uh, your suggestion at uh, middle school matters.com uh tweet us at msmatters on twitter um put a post on a uh, red right in our walls at, on facebook and um I'd love to see what you guys have to say. Now, I don't expect a whole lot because our, we have a we have an SPD audience. They're silent, but <laughs> dedicated. That's right. And um, but this would be kind of neat to see what folks. What do you envision the association being, and how should it be described by its name? I guess is maybe one way to think about it. To be honest, I kind of like National Middle School School Association. I I would be one of those people who would say, "I I, I, I don't think it should be changed."
1: And and while we're throwing the gauntlet down, let's throw the gauntlet down (laughs) one more time for um, posting a review on iTunes.
0: That's that's what that's what you were doing. He's over there fiddling necks, not always watching the fago. The, the
1: <laughs> I wasn't watching the fago. Um, it's It's been a while since we've got a rating and a comment, and we really we really do appreciate the comments. Yes, we do so much. Thank you, guys. So just head over to... And by the way, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Apple has redone the iTunes store. It's true so that it looks a little different. And I was hoping they were going to make it easier to find stuff. Not so much. Not so much. They actually, I think, made many things harder. For example, if you want to find educational stuff, uh, it's a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Because they spotlight more stuff. Um, and you kind of have to go to audio podcasts and, and you know, you got to... Kind of uh, scroll down. It's really, I. It's really frustrating. I don't really find a good way to actually find. um, Educational or audio, you know, educational podcasts, unless you already know what you're looking for. So I think they've made it less user friendly
0: yeah I think so I think some stuff around it's it's harder We used to be able, we could find out where we stood among all the K-12 podcasts by simply c- clicking the K-12 in the kind of a URL type of device they had at the top mm-hmm. it's still there but it's just in a slightly different place and it's a little more muted so it's harder to uh, to find but if you if you hit podcasts uh, or hit search for middle school a middle school matter just pops right up um so does uh, today's middle middle level educator um and on the K twelve section, we're seventh, and in all podcasts for middle school, um, we pop up right there in the uh, top one or two. So
1: mm-hmm. it's like I said, it's just they've managed to make it harder to yeah, I agree it's, to to find to kind of browse through stuff that isn't being recommended. So kind of disappointed with that.
0: When they, when they tried to simplify, I think they oversimplified in some respects. Yeah. Yep. And then they said, well, we should add this, this. You should see it on one page. Well, that's fine, but you take out some of the other stuff that makes it more functional.
1: Yeah, and what, what it becomes is if you are selected by them, then it's really great for you, but if you're not selected, it's much harder. Okay, let's take a look at some of the um, web spotlights First one that I came across which I thought was really cool, even though I'm not a science teacher, is cell scale cell size and scale. And this is at uh, learn.genetics.utah.edu slash content slash begin slash cells slash scale. Um, and there's a obviously a, you can go to the website and get the link right there. But what it does is it's it's really simple. It starts with a grid, um, which shows you a coffee bean, a grain of rice, and times regular 12-point kind of written out. And then you can kind of zoom in. Um, There's a little slider at the bottom, so you can zoom, zoom in to see a sesame seed, a grain of salt, amoeba, proteus. Para, paramecium, human egg, skin cell, photoreceptor, baker's yeast, chromosome, red blood cell, mitochondrion, um, E. coli, bacterium, measles virus, HIV, um, rhinovirus. And, you know, you just kind of keep zooming in, and it's really, it's just really cool. It's really visual for kids as well to see kind of. Um, The difference in sizes. So, you can check that out. Are you checking it out right now, Sean?
0: Oh, oh, oh.
1: You uh, probably are.
0: Yeah, I'm over here at this. Uh, First, I was going to say, things get stuck in my teeth, but then you you went to paramecium and closmodium and and, and
1: other things. Yeah.
0: No, those are definitely not, not, not that category. No. That's cool.
1: So... Um, that's just a quick one. Um, the next one that I came across was Schoolology, which I'm going to read a little blurb from Schoolology. Um, this is free for limit. This is a limited time offer. It's free for a limited time um, for individuals. It is um, institutions. If institutions are going to do this on a broad scale, there is a payment. You can get a quote, but for individual teachers and professors, currently it is free. Um, and what it does is it combines social networking with course management to enable students and educators to manage classroom work while having the ability to seamlessly communicate and collaborate through a safe and secure network. Um, Scholagi offers both school wide implementation and individual uh, subscriptions. It's an alternative to other course management systems on the market, such as Moodle, I would take it. Now, Moodle is open source and will always be free, but there is also work that you have to go along with it. You need a server to run it, and you need someone who knows what they're doing to keep it going. So, um, but I'll, I'll continue on with Squology here. As a web-based application, Squology is able to offer services at a lower, base, pr- lower price than traditional systems. Being fully hosted and fully managed system means less headache for your users and support staff. This allows you to spend your time using the system instead of maintaining it. Um, Social networking features of Schoolology complement the course manager by allowing seamless and effortless communication of information, 100% accountability, 100% transparency. Student actions are always affiliated with a physical student. Anything done on Schoology can be compared to performing this action in person. So um, you can check that out if you are looking for something along those lines. Um, and you can just kind of take a look at what they do. Um, content management is kind of what, you know, the, a lot of the online learning pieces.
0: It very much has a Facebook layout, I notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it's very clean. I like it. Lots of, light white, lots of white space. Um, and if you're an individual, you can sign up for free, limited-time offer. Um, this looks very cool. This is a good pick.
1: Thank you. <laughs> I like when John sounds surprised. This is a good pick. <laughs> I don't mean Not that. like your fixer other ones. Good. Your picks <laughs> are
0: always good. My, my computer is bogged down with all of his picks because he ended up <laughs> downloading them and using them. <laughs> he's got the
1: Leo disease. I, I do. Um, the next one I have is Slick Plan. In um, Slick Plan is a way to create um, flowcharts. And I think I signed up on the other computer. Um, there was just a, a tiny learning curve on this one. It wasn't real bad, but if you want to make flowcharts, this was pretty easy to use. Look at I would tell you to look at the tutorial um, because it'll really help you. Oh, okay, that's how you do it. And um, SlickPlan is a web-based sitemap flowchart generator that allows the creation of free sitemap and flowchart design. Um, it's handcrafted with PHP, MySQL, and jQuery um, by the people at Atomic Interactive. This is really designed for web designers. That's kind of their original um, perspective. Um but it it does allow for it does allow for um you to create flow charts. So check that one. That's cool, it's one
0: cool. website piece of software.
1: Okay. Uh next one. Um this is called watchno.org. And this one we could throw in the category of YouTube, TeacherTube kind of things, but with a little different perspective here. Uh, It looks a little different. Their tagline is Video for Kids to Learn From, Organized. Um, So you can check out watchno.org. And when you get there, what you can see is they have uh, a search and you can search by age. So you can put for an age filter, which I thought was uh, a little different. Recently posted, most viewers or highest rated. Or along the side, they have different subject areas. Language, arts, literature, math, science, history, social studies, languages, physical and, physical and health education. Um, the arts. Um, computers and technology, practical skills, and, and on and on. And there, what happens is you get um, like for physical health, physical and health ad. They have 348 videos, so you can go ahead and take a look through there, um, and obviously make sure that things are appropriate. But they do have grade age, you know, kind of ages for ranges. They do have a rating system. Um, They have a a whole series of teen depression clips. Um, They have five different clips on that. Um, And they say ages 12 to 18. I have to be honest and say I didn't watch all those, but they also have things like good sleep habits, um So, just another resource to to check out, especially if you 're looking for you know video things and uh, I kind of like that they have the ages on there. It gives you kind of a perspective of who it is is 're looking for and can make it a little bit easier to to get to um, so their their whole concept here is that the internet is full of useful information, but it 's disorganized and often unreliable. The potential for the internet um, is huge, but um, it's again, it's getting those resources. Many of the resources needed for such a uh, site exist online; they just need to be organized. So, they want to be your reliable video experience. All right, let's switch over to some news. News. And um, you wanted to do the self-control and deprofessionalizing of teaching.
0: All right. We'll start with that one. Um, there was an article in Education Week a couple weeks ago. Uh, it was published in October 16, 2009, talking about stress control and the deprofessionalizing of teaching. I thought, which I thought was kind of interesting, uh, especially in this day and age when... when mm-hmm. More pressure is being put on teachers, uh, accountability, um, more attention from central office, um, the trend in some areas to take an expert and push content or push direction from the top down farther and putting the responsibility on one person for the instruction uh, or the success of students. And that puts a lot of pressure on that one person, but by the same to- token, that also puts all the decision making in one person's hands. Which teachers tend to go into education because they want to be creative and they want to be able to design things that meet the needs of their individual students. It's painting with a with a broader brush, broader brush perhaps. Um, let me start out here. It's by Thomas Newkirk. It says, until fairly recently, psychologists accepted the common-sense view that job stress was directly related to the significance of the decisions being made. The top executive jobs, by this logic, were the most stressful because they were, because so much was riding on decisions. And the lower-level positions, the clerks, custodial workers, the receptionists, were less stressful because decisions had less impact. There was less to worry about. All of this made a kind of sense but it was exactly wrong. A longitudinal study of male civil servants in Great Britain, now referred to as the Whitehall Study, began to change this thinking 40 years ago. Researchers were surprised to find that mortality rates, as well as the range of stress-related illnesses, were inversely related to job status. Top managers were less likely than lower-status employees to suffer from high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, and they lived longer. the result was puzzling to the researchers since none of the employees was desperately poor. All were, by definition, employed. All had access to health care. One possible explanation was that lower-status employees were likely, more likely to smoke or to have less healthy diets. But the results held, even when these factors were, were factors were taken into account. So what explained the result? The researchers concluded that, contrary to popular wisdom, the lower status workers experienced more stress precisely because they had less control over their work. In other words, those who could make significant decisions probably had their own sense of a sense of had in sense of their own agency and control. And this prerogative to act actually made their jobs less stressful than those workers who largely followed the direction of others and giving them ownership of their of their work actually maybe one of those things that actually causes them to have less stress about their work, giving them choices. And this came in conjunction with, um, I picked up a book on um, 20, 50, 80, building menus using a 20 points, 50 points, 80 points assignment, uh, assigning to different sections of, of a, a project. And so students could choose more 20 point type things to accomplish their 100 points or 100 Twenty points, mm-hmm. or they could uh, a little bigger project, two projects for fifty, or one project for an A, and then pick one of the smaller ones for for twenty points to get to your hundred. And, and and the giving of choice actually, you know, causes them to have more ownership in the in the, in the project. The same thing might be happening with uh, with teachers giving them more decision making power may actually release their relieve their stress and make them uh, better and effective teachers. Uh, the Whitehall results are consistent with animal studies that deal with stress and control. Animals, when they are stressful in environments and have no way to affect those environments, this powerlessness affects their autoimmune systems and leads to a range of healthy problem, health problems, such as high blood pressure, heart trouble, and ulcers, to only name a few. Uh, it continues to go on and talk about um, the more top-down direction is the... Uh, more stress is created above, among the uh, bottom of the uh, employment scale. And so um, it, it's worth checking out, taking a look at I'm not going to read the whole article here. Um, Thomas Newkirk is a professor of English at the University of New Hampshire. Um, and this comes from a book called Holding on to Good Ideas in the Time of Bad Ones, uh, Six Literacy Principles Worth Fighting For. And... Um, uh, the more decision-making you give teachers, the better the product you might end up getting, is his suggestion here. So as you're looking at decisions in your own classroom as a teacher, maybe giving the students some choice is a way to go to get better product out of them. And if you're an administrator, maybe giving your teachers uh, some choice. No, obviously, you're not going to give them two choices or give them choices you don't want. You give them a choice between two options that are completely acceptable to you, but by the same token – in giving them that choice, you're actually giving them, making them feel empowered in the process. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was a good article to, to consider, especially considering some of the things that are going on right now in education. Um, and it might actually improve the health of your your teachers.
1: Okay. Um, I'm going to do one more article here, I think. And this is an article by Patrick McQuillan. It's on what Ted Sizer meant to us. As you probably know, Ted Sizer passed away this last week. And um, uh, Patrick uh, McQuillan says the death this month of Theodore R. Sizer leaves an immense void in the American educational landscape. Um, And he goes on to talk a little bit about the impact that Sizer had, that... He came at a time when a nation at risk would lay the foundation for a neoliberal philosophy to dominate U.S. educational po- policy. Ted Sizer offered an alternative approach to the shortcomings of American education, one rooted in the vision of John Dewey and progressive reform. Based on the research he conducted in high schools across the country, it resulted in Horace's compromise. Ted highlighted the compromises that teachers endured while adjusting and adapting to an ineffective system. They were responsible for so many students that they assigned little substantive work. Lacking time to know students well, teachers leveled their expectation to perceive students' abilities. To ensure that they, quote, covered the entire curriculum, many topics were addressed superficially. Well aware that students were key to any successful reform, Ted advocated personalizing student and teacher relationships, ensuring that faculty knew students as people and learners, as he would say. Um, He trusted teachers to organize their curriculum and educate their students. Our present emphasis on high-stakes standardized exams sends teachers and students a set of very different messages. Um, so I think it's a nice kind of review and kind of a perception of where we are. And he talks about the pendulum swinging from one area to the next as well. Um, but that's an Ed Week article and there's a link to the entire article on the website. And I encourage you to go and check that one out. And let's see here. Let's, um... I just mentioned that the next show is going to be all about NMSA 09. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll be heading off. Um, I think we're both heading off Wednesday for yep. Indianapolis. I think you're leaving a little earlier than I am. Definitely. But um, but uh, we'll be headed to Indianapolis. And if you see us there, give us a, give us a hail and hearty hello. <laughs>
0: Yeah, your, your own real-life shout-out.
1: How's that <laughs> Your own real-life shout-out, because uh, we certainly would like to to meet some of you, and we hope that you are going. We'll be in, in Indianapolis for the, what is it, the 5th, 6th, and 7th, right?
0: Uh, the conference starts the 5th, 16th, 19th, 16th, 6th, and 7th. 6th and 7th. We're supposed to be there a little longer the fourth, obviously you're going know, to day early, but uh, my crew that goes likes to stay an extra day and take in some of the culture of the area since we're already there. Right. And, um, I like to take things and bring it back and work it into my classroom. So.
1: Yeah, and there is there is um, there's always lots to do um, at the conference, and um, I know that we're we plan to have a to have dinner on Friday night with a large group of us where we share kind of what it is we've seen and heard and all that. I would imagine that we may be posting some extra things on the blog in regards to NMSA and um, who knows what else we'll be doing. Um, We do have a presentation to give, which I think we're looking forward to. (laughs) see what
0: Troy's going to say.
1: I can't wait to see what we're going to say, but... (laughs) Um, but we we do we this is this is this is a presentation that we've given before we've made some adjustments and I um, I don't think I've ever given the same presentation twice but you know we have the basis for it we're just kind of trying to make it a little bit better um, each time that we give it so uh, we're trying to do some adjustments and do some things differently um, but otherwise now we're pretty much going. Um, And um, do note that uh, Dan Pink is keynoting the conference, Um, and he's also on TED, so there's a link uh, in the events and happenings on the website to check out um, Daniel Pink. The Ohio Middle School, the Ohio Middle Level Education is also having a conference in February, and Jack Berkemeyer will be keynoting. So, and I know Jack Berkmeyer will be at NMSA. Yay! Who knows? Who knows what he will show up with? He may come and heckle um, And also, if you're in Michigan, Mamsie's uh, conference is March fourth and fifth, and they'll oh. be celebrating their 40th anniversary.
0: And the, the the presenter forms are out. So, if you're interested in presenting, please fill those out and. Seriously, please seriously consider presenting. Yes. Try. please seriously consider presenting.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, with that, we hope that you'll drop us a note at middleschooleducators at gmail.com. Um, or you could uh, go to the website and post something or share something with us on Twitter. We are MS Matters. Because middle school matters is too long for Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's, I think you should have to. I think you should be allowed to have a username that is 140 characters. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> but you can't. So um, we hope to hear from you, and we hope to hear from you soon. But until next time, this is Middle School Matters for middle school educators. Who care?